In my totally unbiased opinion, there is almost no such thing as an unbiased opinion, at least when it comes to decisions that impact ourselves. We are complex beings. We human beings have so many thoughts, emotions, aspirations, motivations, that it is very, very difficult to keep all of those at bay while making any decision that is ultimately impacting ourselves. A kind of severe example of this, tragic example, relates to the spies in the coming portion of Shalach. The 12 spies sent by Moshe into the land of Israel, 12 men selected not based on their uh, reconnaissance training or uh, their military intelligence role, but rather they were the spiritual leaders of each of the tribes, which ultimately means they're the spiritual leaders of the generation, a generation which is on a fascinatingly elevated spiritual level. Remember, these are people who all had recognition of, of the divine at the splitting of the sea and at Sinai in an even more intense way. These are people who are in tune to God far beyond anything we can begin to imagine. Their leaders are going into the land and we would expect these are people who will really appreciate the spirituality of the land of Israel. These are people who will be looking at the land as a land of spiritual capacity, spiritual potential. But unfortunately, we may be familiar, that's not exactly what happens. And in fact, quite the contrary, 10 of the 12, a significant majority, come back with a negative report, a report of gloom, a report that really leads to doom, that has us fall into a despair, that blocks our entry to the land, distances ourselves from God, and actually has that whole generation, at least according to Rashi, the men of that generation, all die out rather than entering the land. How could they go so far wrong? How could these people come into the land of Israel and see anything other than the incredible spiritual potential that it has for us? Well, blending together thoughts shared by a few commentaries, perhaps we could say the following. The spies observe Israel as they're about to head off into the land of Israel. They observe the people of Israel in the sheltered environment of the desert. We are surrounded by God's clouds. We are being provided the manna every day as our godly provided food. We have the water miraculously provided through the well of Miriam. And what are we doing all day long in that sheltered environment where we have no significant, uh, um, nothing on our schedule other than attachment to the divine? We are immersed in Torah study. We are gleaning further and further understanding of the messages that Moshe has brought down from Sinai. We are connected to the temple service that is happening at our core in the center of the camp. We are involved in Torah. We are involved in worship. We are involved in service of the divine and spiritual growth and aspiration in this kind of cocoon of spirituality. And then the spies get to the land of Israel. And they look at a land through what become clouded lenses. Now, how do those lenses get clouded? So at the subconscious, at some very deep subconscious level, there was some degree of a bias because although the tribal leaders had a very significant role at the helm of each tribe, that would probably change upon our entry to the land of Israel. Once in Israel, it would be a matter of time until we shift into the system of a monarchy. 
and the tribal leaders would no longer have a significant role. Now, I can't tell you on the scale of 1 to 100 if this was at the level of a 1 or a half of a 1 or a tenth of a 1 in terms of how much this was on their minds. But it was there, somewhere in their subconscious, there was that recognition that life would change potentially uh, in a detrimental way for the tribal leaders themselves. So they look at the land of Israel, remember they just left that spiritual cocoon, and they see a land which is going to involve significant toil, significant focus of energy on the various battles, on the agricultural development, on the building and modification of homes, on, on, on creating everything needed for a society in a new land. And they look at the land as a land that is going to have so many elements competing for our time, competing with our energy, being able to be dedicated to spiritual pursuits. And with some element of their vision being clouded by that subconscious sensation of, hmm, we may be losing out through this process, they look at a land that is not in sync with our best future, and they come back because they are biased against the land with a report that says, not a good move. But declaring that God's plan is not a good move is the ultimate not a good move. This was an absolute corruption. God did want us to go to the land. How would we work out the fact that we're leaving the spiritual cocoon? That's his job. He'll work it out. How we deal with the foreign enemies who are over there, how we're going to deal with the realities of dedicating time and energy to the agricultural development, to building up the cities and building up a country, how we do all of that and maintain our spiritual excellence, he has a plan. It's not for us to second-guess him and to kind of manipulate away from that. But they didn't recognize that they had that bias that was clouding their decision-making process and allowing them to come up with this ultimately corrupt outlook. And this happened to the spies, happened to these major spiritual leaders. If this could bring them down and the nation with them, then what about us? How do we ever make decisions without concern that we are somehow corrupting what should be the accurate decision based on some type of an internal bias? Not so easy. Two suggestions that we find in our classic works. Number one, coming from the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, Asei lacha chaver, kenei lacha chaver, acquire for yourself a friend. But a friend doesn't mean a casual acquaintance, it doesn't mean a Facebook friend, it means that person who's going to intercede and protect us. If we do something that is self-destructive, they're going to get in the way, they're going to stop us from doing something that is damaging. And ideally, that friend knows not only what is in our physical best interest, but in our spiritual best interest. And if we're doing something that is spiritually self-destructive, they would also intercede. They love us too much to let us fail. Having such a friend is such an important protection. And ideally, bouncing decisions off that friend, letting them know what we're thinking, and having them take a look at us and saying, what? Like, what, what are you thinking? Don't you realize and fill in the blank with what it is that could be steering us in that direction? That's the greatest test, the 
outsider can always be so much more objective because he doesn't have our particular biases. She isn't um, impacted by the emotions, by the uh, various factors that are running through my mind at the time that I'm trying to make this objective decision. So having that chaver is step number one. The second approach that um, kind of moves inside, the chaver is on the outside of us and helping uh, kind of strip away the biases and get to the objective decision. And a second approach that's really more internal that allows us to really to clean the lenses and see things with greater clarity is intense Torah study. Our commentaries describe that a decision that is made after intense Torah study not even Torah study about the topic we are thinking about. We need to make a major decision about a career change, about a relationship, about a move of some type, and we just don't know. Are we getting it right? And again, the chaver is a major step number one. That, that friend, that outs, person outside of ourselves that cares about ourselves. But step number two is being able to kind of recalibrate and um, help clarify our vision through intense Torah study. An intense Torah study of any, any topic, any realm, uh, can kind of give us that major boost of divine assistance and uh, kind of a divine cleansing of vision that can help orient us toward the right decisions. Both of these require work, developing that friendship and giving the friendship that, giving the friend the capacity to weigh in and allowing yourselves that vulnerability to be re-steered, redirected by the friend, and working on making decisions only after having immersed ourselves in a period of intensive Torah study, those are both steps that can allow us to overcome those biases, allow us to make decisions that will really be objectively good decisions, and allow us to achieve our greatest tachlis.